0: Good morning, slash afternoon, slash evening. Welcome to the Calories and Rise Podcast, a perfectly passable China Africa podcast. I'm your host, Winslow Robertson, and I am joined again by our stalwart co host, Lena Benabdella. Lena, how are you doing?
1: Doing excellent. I'm excited for this.
0: I am extremely excited for this as well. I'm a little perturbed that it's happening at 7 in the morning. This is becoming something of a habit for the pod and a habit I hope to break. <laughs> but we have incredible guests lined up today, and, and I can't wait to, to introduce them. But before that, let's talk about our sponsor. Today's episode is brought to you by our sponsor, African Development Jobs. African Development Jobs, a site run by Nino Duru, seeks to connect development workers to professional development resources and work opportunities in Africa. On a quest to help diversify development, it highlights the voices and issues of Africans and the diaspora in the field. It is also the best site for finding employment in the development field in Africa that I know of. Moving on, we are continuing to discuss the Sixth Forum on China-Africa Cooperation, or FOCAC, for the rest of the month. FOCAC will be held in three weeks, December 4th through 5th, in Johannesburg, South Africa. For historical context, FOCAC was initiated in 2000 in Beijing in order to sketch out a three-year cooperation plan between China and the countries of Africa. Since then, the triennial meetings have alternated between China and an African country. This week, we hope to discuss how FOCAC will engage with sustainable development, which was not a major pillar in past FOCAC action plans. In fact, by looking at the items in the first couple of ministerial meetings, there is hardly ever mention of sustainability and sustainable development. However, China and African countries are definitely paying more attention to environmental protection and sustainable development, thanks in no small part to the hard work and dedication of several civil society groups and non-governmental organizations, or NGOs. We are quite pleased to have on this pod three guests from the World Wildlife Fund for Nature, WWF. WWF Kenya, WWF China, and WWF South Africa to explore the linkages between FOCAC and sustainable development. We have Jackson Kiplagat, Interim Policy and Research Lead for WWF Regional Office for Africa based in Nairobi, Kenya. Nan Li is Policy Program Manager for China's Green Shift Initiative at WWF China. Oh, and do you prefer Nan Li, Li Nan, or Nina?
2: <laughs> Whenever you call me.
0: <laughs> oh, okay, we'll, we'll switch that to Li Nan then.
2: Okay. Oh.
0: And uh, Louise Schultz is Manager, Special Projects Policy Futures Unit of WWF South Africa. I hope I said your name correctly. Yes. Fantastic. Jackson. Nan Louise, welcome to the pod.
2: Thank you. Thank
0: you. Thank you. All right, and digging right in, why is WWF interested in FOCAT? And could you tell us about WWF South Africa's new FOCAT webpage, which can be found at www.wwf.org.za slash what underscore we underscore do.
2: Uh, That's okay if May to start with some brief introduction why we interested in Focac and then I think Luis will provide more information about the website and also the coming uh, events. Okay, uh, I think most of you may know that China is the largest trading partners for Africa since 2009 and one of the largest investors in Africa. Actually, in the past 15 years, China has accumulatively committed to provide $45 billion U.S. dollars of credit to African countries under the framework of CAC, mainly in infrastructure development, mining, agriculture, and manufacturing, which has a tremendous in rental impacts, uh, especially to our ecosystem in the continent. As a One of the largest uh, international organizations uh, working in China and also in African countries, WWF, really think that China African work is is, uh, so important for our conservation work on the ground, especially in uh, in 10 uh, African countries, which we are active uh, working in. But also, we thinking we are thinking that 4CAC itself is so important because it with a political statement accompanied by an action plan, uh, which will uh, settle down the uh, uh, the work plan for China and African countries agreed to undertake in coming three years. We are thinking that this platform is so important uh, with the treme- tremendous commitment in terms of political, commercial, trade. All these things are important for our work. So that's why we started our China-African work, especially the engagement with uh, the 4CAC. Uh, I think it's uh, six years ago we started it as uh, the, I think, one of the uh, limited, uh, one of the uh, international NGOs working in these areas.
3: And perhaps if I can just pick up from what Linan had to say, um, I think we all know these days that people don't read paper; they need technology, and and that is why we decided to create a webpage, especially in anticipation of the FOCAC in Johannesburg, but also to um, focus the attention on our own uh, side event that will be will be uh, held on the 1st of December before the ministerial um, or the high uh, the meeting of the high officials in the ministerial, and the uh, following up summit starts. Um, If anybody goes to our website, they'll find details about our upcoming event, but they'll also find a very interesting document, and that is our document of recommendations. Um, And these recommendations focus on four specific areas that we've identified as important, given the critical interface that Africa or the critical intersect where Africa finds itself now. On the one hand, explosive growth, both in terms of population and in terms of industrialization, growth in GDP, and the opportunity to address environmental concerns when pursuing that growth, coupled with what Linan has already highlighted. The immense amounts of money that China will probably be investing in the foreseeable future. So there's a combination of, what if, of, of, of there's an opportunity if, if that investment is applied correctly that it can actually lead to development that can also be sustainable. So if anybody opens our page and they go to our recommendations, they see that we f- focus on mining and infrastructure which is predicted to be one of the core focus areas in this upcoming FOCAC, so very important. We look at wildlife trade, which is increasingly becoming a sensitive issue, um, both in China and in Africa. We look at renewable energy, which we see as uh, probably the most important thing to unlock the existing energy poverty or deficit in Africa and provides opportunity for Africa to leapfrog investment in dirty um, energy sources. And then we look at a more inclusive FOCAC because we feel that an active civil society is probably the most effective way to ensure that whoever comes and invests in Africa, not only China, does it in a responsible way and that it gets monitored properly and that government promises, on, on promi- a, a, a government comply with their own legislation and ensure that companies that invest in Africa also comply.
4: In relation to uh, what Louise has already pointed out, uh, WWF is, uh, is uh, working with, uh, with, uh, with our offices and uh, civil society and uh, governments to actually uh, request and ask uh, the governments of uh, Africa and China uh, during FOCAC to actually address specifically issues of environmental uh, sustainability. Uh, we, of course, the Africa-China relations have a very uh, uh, beneficial relations uh, relationship between China and Africa. And they are reliant, or it is completely reliant on uh, uh, environmental resources. Continued uh, use of these resources requires uh, the, uh, the, the factoring in uh, uh, sustainable development. This is simply because environmental degradation or degradation of the environment deprives uh, the African continent and China the opportunity to benefit fully from uh, these natural resources. And it is against these bases that uh, WWF, is asking the FOCAC uh, uh, ministerial meeting and the summit to actually uh, consider a number of issues, which include one, ensuring that natural resources are sustainably and responsibly extracted while maximizing contribution to sustainable development. This is basically through ensuring that uh, there are incentives for good practice, capacity building, and also ensuring that there is cooperation in increasing application of environmental and social safeguards uh, towards uh, extracting uh, uh, resources uh, in the continent. Secondly, is looking at issues around strengthening the south-to-south technology transfer around renewable energy, and of course, working with regional partners like the Africa Union, NEPAD, and many others. The other critical thing WWF is asking from uh, 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 Foucault is the application of sustainable finance and investment guidelines. Finance and investment uh, uh, opportunities provided by Africa through this cooperation should actually be guided by certain principles. And we are asking that this forum provides an opportunity for a financial facility to be able to support Africa transition towards sustainable development. Our last but not least in, that, uh, in those asks is the fact that uh, we are requesting and asking uh, the FOCAC uh, ministerial conference and the summit to provide opportunities for formal and meaningful civil society participation in investment planning, decision-making, and even in the FOCAT process itself. And we are saying that this should address the key sectors that have already been highlighted. These are the extractives, uh, as extractives and infrastructure development, uh, forestry, wildlife, uh, renewable energy, sustainable finance, and of course, uh, the forecast process. Uh, We believe that uh, with the Forum for Africa, on Africa-China Cooperation, considering some of these uh, issues, it will actually ensure that uh, the resources are available today and in the future and for prosperity.
0: That is incredible. And for our listeners' knowledge, uh, the the emphasis on, on finance is really important because most Chinese money in Africa's loans, not actually investment. And so focusing on finance, financing mechanisms and ways that one can lend money to a Chinese company or joint venture into Africa is, is a really important focus.
1: Can, can we talk about the event? Yeah. Can we talk about the event that uh, WWF is uh, hosting around Foka, please? Um,
3: well, uh, just in brief, uh, what we envisage is, is four uh, discussion uh, discussion panels. The first one will focus on wildlife trade. Um, the second on responsible, responsible forestry. And the afternoon we'll be looking at mining and infrastructure. And we'll finish off with a session on renewable energy. And the idea with these sessions is to... The sessions are to raise critical issues, critical aspects that we think should be addressed in the Declaration and Action Plan, and providing a platform for a variety of actors to speak. So there'll be civil society uh, representation, there'll be WWF staff, there'll be some academia, there'll be people from Africa, there'll be people from China, um, and to, at the end of each session, to conclude with or three strong messages to the decision makers about what WWF would like to see included in the declaration and the ac- action plan around those four core um, areas that, that we've identified.
1: Very good. I have a quick question for uh, Linan. Um You mentioned that there were 10 African countries that uh, WWF China works closely with. Do you mind just giving us a little bit more context there as to these 10 countries.
2: Okay. Uh, we work in South Africa, Kenya, Tanzania, uh, uh, Uganda, uh, Madagascar, DRC, uh, Gabon. Sorry. Um, which, which ones I have.
1: So, so do, so do you have offices in each one of these or? You, yes.
2: You, oh, nice. Actually. We have uh, 16 offices in African countries, and mm. uh, 10 of them we were well, quite active in, in terms of China-African engagement. Right.
1: right. On to, uh, on to more of a conceptual question that I had. Um, so most of the time when we talk about environmental protection, usually you see that sort of going against economic development. So they work against each other. Uh, It's it's kind of, most of the time, difficult to reconciliate, uh, you know, projects that would assure both economic development and environmental protection at the same time. And so, my question here would be, how how does WWF package uh, sustainable development to, you know, a continent with a number, a good number of, you know, uh, developing countries and, and, and least developing countries? that perhaps one could imagine the priorities might be within the economic development more than they are within the environmental protection. Um, so could you talk a little bit about, you know, what are some of the incentives uh, for these countries, you know, both African and Chinese uh, uh, government and state uh, leaders to listen to, you know, these recommendations or to be willing. Uh, incorporate sustainable development in their projects when perhaps their main concern is you know, economic growth?
3: Um, this is a, a bit more sensitive and probably more difficult to answer. Um, I think, of course, there's always the problem of self-interest, of short-termism. Um, Africa doesn't have a stellar record with Um, governments that are accountable and and often they're less capacitated and in some instances, of course, there's there's problems around corruption and and, and rent seeking. But I I do think increasingly um, financial institutions are becoming more sensitive um, to external pressure to lend responsibly. So, certainly from WWF's perspective, we see finance as a major lever to try and change behaviour and to to pick up some of the monitoring um, and oversight um, uh, role. Certainly, the African Development Bank um, has committed itself to uh, responsible lending practices and I think perhaps my colleague Jackson can speak a bit more about the report that WWF did with the African Development Bank. And then I also want to return. Then I want to return back to my previous point. I think it's critical that civil society in Africa become right. more proactive and, and more capacitated because, mm-hmm. in the end, they will have to call both their leaders and inward investors to account. Right. And nobody else can do that for them. Um, and I think. Uh, although WWF is not an activist society our activist organisation as such I do think that we can play a role to provide capacity and support um, by critical leadership um, uh, and, and, and to address that, that issue I think, I think in the end unless, unless that happens uh, uh, we're probably going to sit with development that, that might not tick all the, the sustainable uh, boxes that we'd like it to tick
4: Maybe in addition to what Louise has uh, pointed out, I and mean, in relation to a report uh, that uh, was released uh, sometime in May this year by, uh, uh, as a joint initiative between the Africa Development Bank and uh, WWF, uh, the issue of balancing economic development and environmental sustainability is, of course, something that uh, must be discussed and looked at uh, 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 in, from many different angles. The Africa Ecological Futures Report, for example, points out that Africa's economic growth is already defining the global story, and it is actually likely to remain so throughout the 21st century, simply because of the resources that are in Africa. But it also says that uh, uh, while we continue celebrating this huge achievement, ...and the diverse natural resource base, it is important to recognize that uh, each one of them... ...economic development and natural resources are dependent on each, uh, on each other. And that the, the current development trajectories and the choices that are, are going to be made... ...by the African countries today, both individually and collectively, will have direct impact on people and nature, either positively or negatively. And that is why discussing sustainability alongside economic development is very, very critical. And it is in this uh, agenda of FOCAC that I think these issues must be discussed uh, 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 together. The Africa Ecological Futures Report indicates that the decisions of how Africa will develop in either sustainable or non-sustainable way, is dependent on the decisions that are going to be made today. And today is actually the opportunity uh, presented by FOCAC from one end.
1: Right. And there are a number of studies that kind of talk about how actually depleted environment leads to more poverty, right? And so there definitely is perhaps room for kind of raising awareness for African governments about, you know, the importance of tending to environmental protection for the purpose of, you know, relieving poverty and economic growth, so I do agree with the idea of uh, civil society engagement and, and NGOs and activist organizations role in this, definitely.
4: And I, yeah. And that's why I think the agenda around uh, sustainable development goals and uh, the recently uh, concluded process of sustainable development goals and the FOGAC agenda around uh, development somehow must meet somewhere. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Thanks.
3: Yep. Uh, I can perhaps just add on to, to what Jackson has just said, is that all indications from... Um, people engage in the in the negotiation process is that there's a strong push from the African side to ensure that whatever is in the declaration the action plan is very much aligned with the sustainable development goals but also with um, regional strategic plans both you know African Union SADC, um, to avoid sort of fragmented Um, investment and rather to look at how they can be much more regional integration and much more strategic investment.
1: In terms of uh, just wanting to learn a little bit more about WWF's external cooperation, if there are any projects of the sort, um, the question relates to the fact that perhaps a lot of African countries do not have uh, a lot of experience and expertise on sustainable development. And as developing countries, um, what are some of the uh, mechanisms of perhaps cooperation or triangular cooperation with other international organizations or or with other governments that you may foresee happening or necessary in the future for the implementation of uh, sustainable development in uh, China-Africa projects in the future? So where are African countries are going to look at for uh, support, for examples, for, um, you know, to implement um, sustainable development projects in the future?
2: Um, I'm thinking that China is changing its attitude to a more, uh, to promote, for for to book. To be more open to towards triangular uh, rather than just uh, bilateral partnerships. For example, uh, when the French uh, ambas- uh, French president visits China, both French and Chinese presidents promise to collaborate in terms of helping African countries to uh, access to renewable energy. I think that is a uh, kind of one of the positive signal to showing that China and also with other countries is. Collaborating uh, for a triangular partnership with African countries towards the Sustainable Development Goals. I think that is uh, maybe one of it. And also, China is uh, increasing its uh, uh, budget for South-South cooperation. It will be through the bilateral tra- tra- uh, channel, but also maybe think to Im- to be invested through the UN's uh, for UNEP or UNDP's uh, um, the, the the channel of UN
0: to push back a little bit I'm um, will the China National Petroleum Corporation work with an NGO work with WWF will Sino hydro when it gets a loan from the China Development Bank will they have a third party partner an NGO or another government these um, these south south deals have been announced for for quite some time and you're right that China and the countries of Africa are, are quite interested in in this sort of development especially as it relates to sustainability but Oil deals, mining deals. Will Will WWF South Africa be part of that, or WWF Kenya, or WWF China? Do you foresee anything like that in the near future?
3: And, And and I'm just interested how you envisage this playing out. That WWF will come in and do the environmental impact assessment, or that WWF gets called in to do ongoing. Monitoring. Um, it's not quite clear to me how you think it it could play out.
0: Personally, I. Um, I.
3: Because because I I don't think most multinationals don't work in that way. In any event, whether they come from China, or whether they come from um, France, or whether they come from the States. So I'm just interested if if you if you pos, you know if you pose the question how you how you actually think it, it can play out.
1: I think consulting <laughs> is a really good way to to look at it right. So big part of what's happening is that we do not have a clear assessment on the ground of what this project may have as repercussions on the environment or in indigenous populations or on social justice, and so that's the huh. missing link a lot of times right, and so. If we do have some NGOs or some organizations that are on the ground to do precisely this—to provide the data, to provide the information—you know—about what are the possible repercussions of X project on indigenous populations in Lake Turkana, or you know, on the, on the environment, you know, ten years down the line—I think that's definitely uh, a, a good way to. Yeah, sorry, go ahead.
4: I think there are two ways in which. Uh... An organisation like WWF and other civil society organisations can work with uh, with the companies or private companies. Uh, one is uh, by ensuring that uh, the governments uh, in the countries where they we work, for example, are put in place uh, policy and legal frameworks that respond to global standards. That is one way in which WWF can contribute, and that we have done it in the region. We have done it here in Kenya in relation to ensuring that strategic environment assessments are actually part of the legal process that ensures that uh, strategic decisions are made even before you invest fully in uh, either a program, a Mm -hmm. policy, or a plan. Secondly, is actually to, to, to look at what we call the voluntary uh, uh, mechanisms that are driven by the private sector. It is looking and working with the private sector to actually ensure that their internal mechanisms respond to global standards in one way or the other. And we have done this in a number of countries in uh, various sectors. We, 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 of course, continue to... To, to work with uh, specific companies whether Chinese or uh, American and uh, uh, whichever companies including the local ones in ensuring that and supporting them in East Africa for example to ensure that their programs inculcate uh, environmental and social needs uh, in, in 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 their in their programs yeah so those are the two ways in which i see uh, WWF and uh, other NGOs continuing to contribute uh, to ensuring that companies respond to uh, the environmental challenges. Yeah,
0: that's a, a, a really, a really good point, and, and sort of shows the, uh, where where WWF and, and where a lot of NGOs can sort of position themselves. And the reason I did want to push back is a lot of people, when when they hear about sort of triangular cooperation, don't understand necessarily the the difficulties involved in that. And also that in terms of China-Africa deal-making, so if if Xi Jinping announces a $3 billion South-South Cooperation Fund at the UN, the Kenyan Standard Gauge uh, Railway is how much? One project alone is bigger than the the entire South-South Cooperation Fund. And so focusing on uh, particular projects is something that that a lot of our our listeners would would be interested in. And so that's where where I'm coming from. I do not expect WWF to get hired by Sino Hydro anytime soon.
4: I think just to correct the the statement there, I mean, it is not possible for WWF to be hired because uh, we are uh, an organization, a non-governmental body, uh, uh, but we don't uh, get hired as such. We advocate, we try mm-hmm. to influence what the government is doing, what the private sector is doing, and we cannot be paid by government or private sector to do what uh, they want us to do. We, 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 we agree on what needs to be done to arrive at the mission of uh, ensuring that there is that good relations between environment and humanity. Yeah, thank you.
0: Tremendous. And something for our listeners to keep in mind in terms of the limits of NGO power, and and also the limits of of what governments can and can't do um, in terms of dealing with, with NGOs. We are going to move to recommendations. Linan, Louise, Jackson, do you have any recommendations for our listeners?
2: Uh, for me, I I do love to watch the BBC's documentary Africa. I think it's a good chance for uh, uh, Chinese people to understand how how the be- how uh, how beauty the nature is, and to encourage motivate uh, normal people to really understand that their impacts, their daily life will have the eventual impacts to the ecosystems and to the. Um, thousands miles away. So I think I would like to try to build the connections between normal people's daily life with the conservation work we are doing on the ground. So that is uh, my recommendation, for Chinese especially.
4: Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, for, my, uh, uh, for our listeners, I think uh, uh, each one of us, uh, as we speak about uh, government doing this and that, at the end of the day, it is uh, governments representing us. It is governments uh, uh, communicating our ambitions. Let's play our, our role. Let's contribute to what decisions that are going to ensure that we have this house uh, 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 and uh, the benefits of uh, natural resources today uh, and tomorrow and for our children by making our personal contribution.
3: Yes, I think I think it's it's easy to find scapegoats, and, and often a lot of critique that's leveled against China originates from erstwhile colonial powers. Um, I'm just putting it out there. So I think an interesting book to read is a book by Deborah and Dragon's Gift, because I do think she puts things in perspective. Um, and I think for anybody that's interested in the relationship between China and Africa, it's a it's a good starting point. Um, that would be my suggestion.
0: Fantastic! And we will probably have a Professor brought him on in December to talk about our new book. And um, and yes, I would like to second the recommendation. Dragon's Gift is excellent. Lena, do you have any mm. recommendations?
1: You know, I have my, uh, my eyes on um, ASA.
0: What is the ASA for listeners?
1: The African Studies Association. The, um, the
0: annual meeting.
1: Exactly. Um, so I, w- I would just say to ke- keep an eye on the different China-Africa related panels um, and tweets uh, coming out of ASA. It starts this Wednesday, so tomorrow actually. Uh, this is Thursday, I'm sorry. Uh, but go in there tomorrow. So um, that's sort of what I have in mind right now.
0: And yeah, the ASA annual meetings will be held in San Diego. So if you're in the area, you should let us know. And if not, um, you can you can definitely follow it on Twitter. A lot of uh, a lot of mm-hmm. Africa-related academics will be there, and there's a lot of China-Africa panels. So it should be
1: exactly a lot mm-hmm.
0: of fun. My recommendation is, and I want to give um, a hat tip to. Richard for this uh, to to Richard Humphreys he pointed me to a report from the what's it the infrastructure the infrastructure consortium for Africa they recently released a report called Infrastructure Financing Trends in Africa 2014 and if you are interested in the China Africa relationship at all a lot of that relationship revolves around infrastructure and and financing of that infrastructure so this sort of looks at financing mechanisms for infrastructure in Africa in the year 2014. I've only skimmed it, but a lot of the information looks pretty good and pretty accurate so far, and if you want to where one of the most um, important and, and sometimes difficult to track china africa relationships stems from, you should definitely check this out. That's it. Before we sign off, how do people find you on the Internet? Do you have a website or a Twitter account? That you three would like to share with us
3: well we certainly have the the website that you've just mentioned which is WWF.org.za what we do for CAC. so if you just go to WWF South Africa you should be able to navigate your way to that website in any event and there's lots more interesting stuff on our website in any event if I can do a, a plug for it
0: yes sure. pl- please please mm-hmm. do what about, what about you, Lina?
2: Uh, for me, we don't have a Twitter account for the reasons that you... Surprising. understand. <laughs> Surprising. But we, we do have a similar uh, social media in China called WeChat. There's also a uh, WWF account on that. So please follow us and to get more interesting stories about China-African st- relationships.
4: Uh, you can uh, reach uh, WWF uh, Kenya on uh, Twitter account WWF underscore Kenya, KCO. WWF underscore KCO on Twitter.
0: Excellent.
3: Excellent. Oh, now you know I'm a technographer, but I don't know what our Twitter account is.
4: <laughs> that is quite alright.
0: Twitter's <laughs> overrated anyways. <laughs>
3: Apologies. The,
0: the website... A website, a WeChat account, and a Twitter account is a pretty good haul in terms of how to how people can find you. So we we greatly appreciate it. Lena, yourself?
1: Uh, so yeah, on Twitter, um, my um, handle is at l Um So that's the easiest way to find me. And I do see WWF South Africa on here. It's pretty it's pretty straightforward to find. So on Twitter, so, yes, yeah. Mm-hmm.
4: I, I, I can also be reached on uh, W on at uh, JK uh, on Twitter. So J, J Kiplagat, okay. K Kip-Laggett, yeah.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I'm trying to find you right now. Excellent. As for myself, I can be found on cowriesrice.blogspot.com and www.cowriesrice.com, the latter set housing my fledgling China African consultancy. In addition, my Twitter handle is Winslow underscore R, and I Tweet about China-African news, events, opinions, a lot of opinions, and our Kena. That is about it for today's episode. We would like to thank Jackson, Nan, and Louise for joining us this afternoon and evening from Kenya, China, and South Africa, respectively, as well as African Development Jobs. This podcast can be found on SoundCloud, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Double Twist, and iTunes. We are also teaming up with WTND Community Radio from McComb, Illinois, to share our podcast. We would also like to thank Mighty Mike of Pulse Recordings for composing your theme song. And thank you, dear listener, for giving us your time. Take care.